Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of The Plants We Eat, a podcast from the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens that investigates the fascinating history, biology, and culture behind the plants we use for food. This is Jeff Gilman and Cindy Proctor. Together we have over 50 years of research, teaching, and hands-in-the-dirt experience with growing plants. And this week... Hazelnut. Hazelnut and LaRue deal. Thank you so much for sending this one to us. We appreciate it, and we are looking forward to diving in. I'm especially looking forward to diving in because I actually have done some work with hazelnut, and I say I've done some work. Let me back up. Um, So when I was a professor at the University of Minnesota, I had a graduate student, uh, Lois Brown, who actually worked with hazelnut. I was involved with research through her, so I want to say she did all the the hands-in-the-dirt stuff. I just watched. So what was her goal? She was looking at nutrition of the hazelnut. Oh. And the one interesting thing she found, and, and although she worked specifically with hazelnut, this is applicable to many different plants. She, you might have been involved at some point with the argument as to whether it's better to fertilize woody plants in the spring or the fall. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, she actually did an experiment with what's known as labeled nitrogen, and I'm not going to get into it, but she fertilized in the spring and the fall. And what she discovered was that by and large, fall application seems to be better. Not only that, so often you hear that if you fertilize in fall, you'll push this extra growth, which is bad. First of all, that's an old wives' tale. Unless it's extreme, you do not push extra growth. So fertilizing in the fall is fine. And I'm actually talking late summer. Second of all, when when she applied the fertilizer in the late summer, early fall, what happened is the plant actually took up that nitrogen and then used it for the following spring. So the early fall, uh, late summer applications were actually... Uh, the best way to fertilize a woody plant differs for annuals and and perennials. So you know my research focused on perennials. Yes. For that. That's that's a different situation. And that's a different situation. And you probably found better results in the spring. Well, it's split applications. Yeah. Fall and spring did best. And that that makes a lot of sense. Yes, me too. When I I do recommendations now, I actually don't, I, I mean, I certainly let this research inform me, but I think of uh, split applications as just as a general rule. Well, then you get into a lot of different types of fertilizer forms and all that kind of stuff that can alter your decision, but you're right. So, all right. But not the scope of our podcast no, today. No, no, we want to <laughs> stick with hazelnuts. Yes. So let's start off by saying, should we call it a hazelnut? Should we call it a filbert? I saw so many conflicting opinions and thoughts on this. On this show, we deal mostly with common names. We don't deal with all these scientific names. I, it's fun to do that. But let me say that when you start that sometimes common names get screwed up. And you see this a lot. I, I saw different ideas in the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. It, it was nuts. Here's what I came down to as a general rule. Hazelnut is a broad term referring to about 17 different species. There are about 17 different species of hazelnuts. One of these species is the filbert, mm-hmm. okay? That said, uh, and that's pretty much what I buy. So. All filberts are hazelnuts. All hazelnuts are not filberts. That said, there, there are certainly a number of sources today that basically said hazelnut and filbert are synonymous. Mm, I don't know if I buy that, but there are certainly some people who think so. What that means is that if you read filbert, you really don't know what they're talking about because they may or may not be talking about that specific hazelnut species. Well, it's not going to produce the hazelnut itself. Right. So, okay. But there are 17 species of hazelnuts. The most, there's, there's some cool ones out there. There's Chinese hazel. There's the Turkish hazel. There's Wang's hazel. 
But there are three that you're going to be most used to. The one that we're most used to is going to be the European hazelnut. Okay, Most of the hazelnuts you eat are going to be the European hazelnut, which is different from the filbert. Okay, It's a European hazelnut. European hazelnut is um, native to Europe, um, mostly uh, Eastern Europe, but really all over Europe. The other two types of hazels that you're going to be dealing with are actually two native to North America. So there's actually the American hazel and the beaked hazel, both of which are native to the United States. Within the United States, there is a decent amount of production, and that production is uh, mostly not European hazel. It's mostly a hybrid hazel, which is a combination of European hazel and the two American hazelnuts. You know, I'm going too far. There is a good deal of European hazelnut production in the United States, but there is also a good deal of hybrid hazelnut production, which is, again, a combination genetically of European hazelnuts and the two American hazelnuts. I think what what is most interesting about hazelnut is actually one particular plant, and that's Harry Lauder's walking stick. Oh, don't don't you love that plant? I do love that plant. So Harry Lauder's walking stick is a type of European hazel, which is extremely contorted and in a garden is just a focal point of any garden. It's extremely attractive, extremely different, and if you haven't seen one, you need to go out and look for one, but chances are you probably have seen one. Now, my big question is, do you know who Harry Lauder was? No, I don't. Harry Lauder, at one time, was the highest paid performer in the world. He was, he was Scottish. In, in the early 1900s, he sang Scottish ballads and was known as a comedian. Led a very, very interesting life. His son was a casualty in World War I. And I actually think some of the interesting stuff that he did was not only his Scottish ballads and, and his comedy, but actually some of the important things that he did was actually called attention to mining conditions in Britain. He was a miner for 10 years. And his stories about coal mining are, are fascinating and really, really disturbing. I'm going to have to look this up. You need to look up Harry Lauder. Well, I should have because it's a unique name for a plant. It is. So. It is. And he's, he's a really interesting, neat person. Of course, that has nothing to do with the food. Um, <laughs> hazelnut, hazelnut production actually started as long as 8,000 years ago in Britain. In terms of hazelnuts grown today, most of your hazelnut production today is in Turkey. In fact, that's about 75% of your hazelnut production today. And again, this is mostly the European hazel. Italy, Spain, USA, also Greece, these all produce hazelnuts. Against, again, this is mostly the European hazel. I keep saying mostly the European hazel because keep in mind that there are a number of different types of hazelnuts out there. And essentially, all of these hazelnuts are edible with slightly different flavors. Now, in a few minutes, I'd like to talk about, I have six that I want to mention. Okay. Kinds I'll talk about briefly. Okay. Well, why don't you go into that now? Okay. And we can come back to some of this other stuff okay. in a minute. Well, the zone is uh, four to nine is best. Okay? okay. So based on your, now, and they need full sun unless you're in the a hotter zones, which is mm-hmm. about starting around seven, eight, and nine. Right. So protect them from the heat of the day. So with that information, I would like to talk about Barcelona, 
which is a primary var- variety grown in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, and that's a European hazel. It's not a it's not a hybrid. Of yes, anything. and so it's, yeah, I went too far before when I said that most production in the U.S. is it, most production in the U.S. is not hybrid. It's mostly European, but there is certainly significant sure. hybrid production. Sure. So it is very popular with home growers because it yields a pretty large, flavorful nut, but it does prefer a little shade even in that part of the country. They're going to grow about 18 feet tall. Wow. and Yeah, and they're going to ripen in August. Now, I, I want to say hazelnut is um, very easy to grow mm-hmm. as well. As long as you protect it from the heat of the day, it bears nuts on old wood. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't prune all the wood. Just prune the oldest stems first to keep it, to reduce its height. Is it a tree that you'd want to, I mean, when we grew these hazels and we were up in zone four in Minnesota, uh-huh. we hardly pruned them unless we had to because of a broken branch. I don't remember them as trees we wanted to prune very well, much. Well, I guess I say that in urban areas, we're always, oh, you know, wanting to do that for a variety of reasons. So Unless a branch crosses a path, I wouldn't prune it. Sure. Sure. That's, I'm kind of with you on that one, but I always bring that up. Now there's Daviana, and it's a good companion for the Barcelona variety, which do they by the way, they do. So they do, they have catkins. So they're, the, they're uh, monoecious, which means that on a plant, you'd have both male and female flowers, but they're separate. Yes. And they, but they, they need two plants too. So you, you, you kind of do need to devote some room Mm-hmm. You know, and they can't be further than 20 feet apart. Oh, wow. It? Yeah, because they're wind-pollinated. So the wind has to yes. be able to blow the pollen from one that's onto right. another. That's right. Isn't that oh, fun? Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's fun. Okay, yeah. So then there's the American uh, hazelnut, which you've talked about. And these cultivars, by the way, are resistant to the eastern filbert blight. Which is the big deal. It is. It's a very big deal. So here in the United States, we, we have to pay attention to... to we to do. that, because uh, that, that can be a big problem. There's a bush one. That's what it's called, bush. And it's a compact shrub, okay? But it does produce small nuts. And the size is about 10 feet tall. And you can maintain it to 6 feet, which would be probably something I could uh, mm-hmm. use. And this one can be grown in a container, but you are going to have smaller nuts. There's Hall's Giant. And, and it's a big one, I bet. And it's not. Fi- no? I, no, it only gets about 10 feet tall. Oh, is it? And, but it does resist poor weather conditions, which we're all about that here. Does Hulse Giant this, perhaps produce big nuts? It doesn't say that. It says your yields may be small, but I think it's that poor weather uh, mm. thing. It does have huge fruits in mm. other parts of the country, but in our zone, it would be small. Okay. So, yeah. And then the last one, and again, there was more than this. I just mm-hmm. chose to talk about these six. Is called Webster with a P, mm-hmm. not B, Webster. And uh, this is the one that you're uh, growing for desserts, mm-hmm. which, of course, you're not going to talk about Nutella, are you? You knew that I was. Okay, well, can I talk a little bit about it first? You may. Okay, please, thank you. Please go ahead. Because I have to tell you, I just spoke with a friend of mine who just returned from Rome, mm-hmm. and she says they use Nutella on everything. She says the Romans bleed Nutella, and I got so tickled because, you know, Nutella to me is just spread on bread to make my daughter eat whole wheat bread. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. you know, I, I don't have a taste for it, you know. I think I think it's really good. I was first introduced to Nutella in the mid-'80s when I went to Germany. Okay. And so you, you, you knew about it before. I had never <laughs> seen it before, and they ate this stuff on everything. 
interesting. When you had breakfast, it was this it was this dense bread with Nutella on it. You know, I was in Germany in the nineties, and mm. I wonder if I had it and didn't really you might have. understand what it was. You know, so that's interesting. So yes, I got really tickled when she told me that. But there's Nutella, um, like Reese's cups that mm-hmm. that don't have peanut butter in them, but they're shaped like that that you can make and eat. So anyway, yes, what were you, what did what what I want to say about yes, Nutella? Yes, yes. So what I found really interesting about Nutella, and I wasn't going to go into it too much, but of course now that you've, uh, you know, started, <laughs> actually I'm not going to go into it too much, but I found it really interesting that um, 25% of the global supply of hazelnuts go to, goes to Ferrero Rocher. You're familiar with that candy oh, company? Oh, yeah. So 25% of the hazelnuts in the world goes to that, and it goes to um, making Nutella. And making, you know, their, the chocolate their, their chocolates. Delicacies, Can, really. Hazelnuts are really known for their, their dessert qualities. Right. They're not, you know, I don't think of them as a nut I would pick off the tree and eat. You know, it, right. it's something that has to be formed or made into, uh, to accommodate or enhance a dessert. And of course, my coffee. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I have my coffee with Frangelica, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a liqueur. Okay. <laughs> so what, yeah, one, of the, um, one of my favorite liqueurs, and I, I do like liqueurs, is, uh, is Frangelica, which is a hazelnut-flavored liqueur, mm-hmm. and I love just a, a tiny bit of that in my, in my coffee in the evening, not necessarily in the morning, although you never know. Or right now. To, or right now. Or, <laughs> or right now. Um, <laughs> So in 1989, Oregon announced that uh, hazelnut was their state nut, and that is where most of the hazelnuts in the U.S. are produced. 99% of of the hazelnuts in the U.S. are produced in Oregon. But something else happened in 1989, which is very interesting. 1989 was the year that they discovered filbertone. What is filbertone, you're asking yourself? I don't want that to tell you the, what popped in my head. Uh, yeah, I probably don't want to know. <laughs> uh, Filbertone, Filbertone is the chemical that gives you the essential flavor of hazelnuts. And, of course, there are other compounds oh, in there okay. working, too. But Filbertone is the primary flavor, and it's described as fruity, hazelnut, green, dried fruit. And you can actually use it in perfumery if you're into perfumery. It is known as something that could... Um, help out in all kinds of different things and body lotions. It remains pretty stable so it doesn't break down. It can be used in, of course, as you know, as obvious, cocoa, coffee, mints, meat. So it's a it's a really neat compound. And it was surprising to me that it wasn't that it wasn't discovered until nineteen eighty nine. Usually these things were discovered earlier than that, so it's just kind of neat that eighty nine was the year they found it. Also interesting about Filbertone is that when they discovered it, they then could, of course, test for it. And where do you think they test for it mostly? Olive oil. Because olive oil is frequently adulterated in one way or another, and one thing that it is frequently adulterated with is the cheaper hazelnut oil. So they'll use filbertone, uh, or they'll use a test for filbertone to see if it's been adulterated with filbertone. Well, that makes me happy. Just yeah. to know, to know that I'm getting, you know, good olive oil. Well. Decent olive oil. Well, it can still Unadulterated be. Unadulterated olive oil. Well, <laughs> okay. unadulterated olive oil, and, you know, we are going to talk about olives sometime in the future, I promise, but olive oil um, is frequently adulterated by many, many uh, different things. 
And that is something I'm certain we'll get into. If you want really good olive oil, you need to go to Italy. Go to go to Italy and pay <laughs> a little bit of pay a little bit of money. Unfortunately, now um, if you wanted to grow your hazelnuts yourself, mm-hmm. of course you're going to harvest the yes. nuts. And we've talked about you don't only use the nuts when you on desserts and coffee mm-hmm. and things like that. And those those are created very uniquely in some kind of processing plant. Mm-hmm to give us those flavors and those uh, products. But you could um, harvest them and grind them up and use them on desserts. I don't know if you're going to get the same effect or draw out the, I don't know. the filbert tone like you talked about. So that, but, but nonetheless, it will take about three to five years after planting to get nuts. Yeah, which actually isn't bad for a nut it's tree. It's really not bad. It and sounds bad. It's not. It's not. And you're going to harvest them between... August or even as late as October, depending on the zone and the variety you get. And it's really when the leaves and the burrs, and burrs is a word of the cluster of where mm-hmm. the something that's holding the cluster of nuts right. uh, turn, you know, the, the fall color. And it, by the way, a lot of the birch, uh, plants in the birch family have beautiful fall color. And mm-hmm. so do yes. these. Is this, it's a, it's yeah. a pretty plant. It's a useful plant. Um, Filbert blight actually does concern me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen that, and it can be a big deal. Okay. Um, some of the hybrids are more resistant. There, there are more and less resistant types, and so you should keep that in mind. Now, you have to dry the nuts yeah. before you do anything with it. You know, so. hazelnuts have actually um, been looked at for a variety of different purposes beyond foods. Um, the oil has been looked at as a biofuel um, just for can build up biomass in an area rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, conservation efforts look at look at hazelnuts. Well, I guess what I'm saying is it's not just the nut. This is a very versatile plant that probably deserves to be looked at a little bit more than Nutella. Uh, yeah, Nutella <laughs> than we currently are anyway. <laughs> so, for uh, next for, week for, for our next well, it won't be next week. It might well, we'll see. <laughs> for next week, we have a uh, very interesting request, and we saw it. We're like, hmm, can we actually do this? I think we can. Linda Berg has recommended comfrey, and uh, comfrey is something that I'm only familiar with as a tea. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm I sure th- there's other things I, going there's on. There's some other things going yes. on here. I think this is going to be a fun one. So, Linda Berg, thank you. We're looking forward to doing comfrey next week. So this has been The Plants We Eat, which has been a production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens with the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences and the Isle Group again at UNC Charlotte. We look forward to talking with you again soon.